I've been very fortunate to, I guess, be, to, to find my passion and then find the people around me to help me, you know, make that happen. And, and that's, that's it, you know, it's, I've, I've gotten, I've, I've been able to achieve what I set out to and what I dreamed to do for, for a living and a career. Uh, and it, it just, it doesn't get much better than that. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Building a restaurant and running it for over a decade is no mean feat in Australia, or any country for that matter, but what is it like transferring those skills to building a property and farm? Matt Sinclair is the chef and owner of Some Young Guys in Nooseville. Matt, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm good. It's good to get you on the show. You've been on the soapbox, on the pans for a long time, and now you're building a farm. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a bit of a bit of a transition. Um, we've just recently moved up here permanently now. So before that, we were kind of commuting to get up here to look after things. Uh, but now we've yeah we've we've built a place up here and we've we've settled in. So it's it's full time and it's real. What, what's it like getting your hands in the soil? Is there anything you can tell us about that you're growing? Uh, yeah, I mean, we a couple of years ago, we put in a whole heap of fruit trees. Um, so from all sorts of citrus, uh, mangoes, passion fruits, uh, guava, lychee, banana, all of the, all of the Queensland staples, you know, that, that tend to do well in this climate. Um, I think probably one of the biggest things I realised since since taking something like that on and being responsible for it and and you know in, investing time into it is that it's 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 a hard graft. Do you know what I mean? I think if if anything, it's given me so much more respect for the stuff that just gets delivered to the door at the restaurant every day um, because it's a, it's yeah it's incredibly difficult to produce high quality stuff. That's for sure. You've got some pretty amazing things growing there and, and staples for the sort of the tropics. Has there been any challenges in growing some of them? Um, look, I, I think it's, it, the, the hardest thing has been trying to, trying to figure out, you know, why, why certain plants aren't doing the same as others. You know, they're, they're the same variety. They go in at the same time. You feed them the same. You give them the, the chook shit, the mulch, the, you know, you do all of it, all of, all of the, you tick all the boxes. And then for some, for some reason um, that I haven't been able to figure out yet, some of them just don't, they just don't kick, they don't produce, they, they're stunted. Um, so, you know, it's, we're only a couple of years into this and it's certainly on the, on the hobby farm scale, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of head scratching moments of just wondering what, like, what are you doing wrong or what's different about the soil? Um, because they're in a, you know, they're in a one acre paddock. So you would think everything should be pretty consistent, but sure as, uh, sure as eggs, it's, it's all different. <laughs> you've um, got some young guys, which is a award-winning establishment. It's been around for a little while now. How, how are things traveling at the moment? Yeah, look, Samyang's in a in a really great spot um, at the moment. You know, the the last couple of years have been a fantastic bounce back from from obviously the the COVID period, um, and you know we've we've had a fantastic year. There's been, you know, don't get me wrong, it hasn't come without turbulence, um, but but now you know we've got a, a really good solid team. Um, we've got the the aces in their places and the right people, um, and it's it's in a great spot. And it's the best time of year now in the restaurant industry and hospitality. You know, as soon as it rolls over into spring, yeah, the the festive season begins. You get things like um, you know, Melbourne Cup Day is probably a a, a big ticket item that really 
uh, I guess, cuts the ribbon on the <laughs> on the party season, and, and from from then on away they go. So uh, it's it's a great time of year. It's a beautiful time of year to be in a restaurant um, and just to see see all the cheer coming in and everyone getting together. Small businesses from town coming in to to celebrate their year. Um, you know, it's it's it really makes us appreciate what we do and and where we sit in the community. Tell us a little bit about Noosaville and the food scene there and, and how you've sort of been a part of the evolution and seen it evolve. Oh, look, I think, so we, we started Sam Young uh, in 2017. Um, and I, I think, you know, from, from that point, the, one of the biggest driving factors behind that idea and that concept was uh, I was in Melbourne at the time doing uh, MasterChef and it was the first time I'd ever eaten at Chin Chin. Um, and it just, you know, coming from Noosa, I hadn't really, like I, I grew up in Sydney, but I hadn't spent a lot of time in Melbourne. Um, and it was a, it's something that really sparked my interest just going to dine there. And it was like, okay, I think this is, you know, Noosa needs something along these lines because I think we were definitely up there with the first that, that ever sort of started to conceive the share style. Um, and, and since, since then, you know, I reckon, especially in the past few years, there's been that movement where a lot of chefs from Sydney, Melbourne, you know, obviously they're tackling the Northern Rivers at the moment, which is a huge scene, which is extremely exciting up around Ballina, Bangalore, um, Byron, um, just absolutely nailing it. So it's it's exciting to get some of that, some of the young blood um, to come up up north, whether they've come up here just to change or they've come up here to raise a family, um, and they start plugging into to communities like Noosa and producing some, you know, some really. Uh, exciting food for our town, which for, for probably quite some time, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, but it's it's exciting to see that we're starting to get, you know, just fresh young people that still love HOSPO, guys that are incredible at cooking um, and, and bringing it up here. So it's, it's nice to see that movement. You mentioned uh, growing your own produce, but is, is there any producers of the region that you can tell us about that you've connected with that sort of exemplifies sort of what's going on there? I think probably... Probably the, the biggest standout I can think of is um, a, a young girl by the name of Georgia. Um, she, she had a, a five-acre lot out in Verydale. Um, and we, we sort of, you know, she was just getting things rolling. She'd worked on a lot of permaculture farms um, and she decided to, to have a crack. And, and she was doing it one out with, you know, no, no machinery, um, nothing to do any of the heavy lifting. So it was just her and her partner uh, from scratch doing it all manually, but we're strictly wanting to, to abide by the organic um, uh, ideal. Um, and yeah, like we lined up with her, she, we just met fortuitously through a friendship and we just sort of said, look, whatever, whatever you can grow, whatever you want to grow, we, we'll promise you that we'll take the whole lot and then we can, we can, um, supplement it from, from other suppliers. And, um, she, she just did a phenomenal job with the, the stuff that she could produce. Um, not just, you know, the flavor, um, the, the shelf life of it, the, the vibrancy of it. It was just remarkable. And for her to be able to do it one out, um, was like, and I'm looking at, you know, <laughs> my situation here and she could just make things pop out of the ground. Um, you know, it was good to see her. She started to get the confidence to go and approach other restaurants and wine bars in town to start to specifically grow for them. Um, and now she's just sold that property. She's, she's bought a bigger block to, to upscale and made a little bit of money now so she can now buy a little tractor and, and do all those, all those sorts of things. So really, really amazing to be able to see that evolution. 
Well, I want to explore the path that you've taken in the food industry shortly, but take us back to when you were young. Whereabouts did you grow up and what sort of role did food play for you? I grew up in a town, a suburb called Menai in, um, in Sydney. Um, so sort of in between Cronulla and Bankstown, I guess. Um, yes, I mean, food, food was always a, a massive thing with our family. I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of time uh, in the kitchen with my great-grandmother and, and even still my, my grandmother's still alive. She'll, she'll be 90 next year. Um, and, and she's, you know, she's uh, been solo for 30-odd years and maintained being able to cook for herself. And she still has a, a huge love affair with food, even at the age of 90, you know, when people start to, I guess, get over it a little bit. Um, but she, she still loves to, she still loves to have those conversations about food. And when we go there to have dinner, it's still, there's still that buzz and excitement after 90 years on the planet of cooking and the amount of hours she spent in the kitchen. Um, so, you know, that, that certainly rubbed off to me. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think it was, it was highly, uh, emphasized in our family, how important food was or, or, you know, over the top caterers always cook too much um but always the chatter was about the food and um and even mum like even when we were at school mum was an incredible cook she she did um you know a lot of exciting dishes whereas a lot of my mates were having meat and three veg mum would step out and she would do curry she'd do noodle dishes she, she would do sweet and sour pork you know so it was and we're talking what's that 25 years ago um she was sort of uh, I guess up there with the, the, the woman, Woman's Weekly at the time, um, trying all sorts of different things. And, and it was nice to have that exposure to it, um, to a family that was just open to trying all sorts of different types of food. What about for yourself? When did you start to sort of think about food as a potential career? Um, I, I'd say I was probably about 18, 19. I was working at a restaurant in, um, in Cronulla a place called Somersault. And I, I think that's where, re- where I really started to, to ask myself the questions is, you know, is where do I want to be in terms of a career? Um, I'd been in hospitality since I was 14, um, f- 13. First job was in a deli. Second job was in a um, pizza shop. Then I went to being a waiter at a Greek restaurant. And then it just sort of rolled on from there. <laughs> and um and then, I, then when I, yeah, I got to about 18, 19, started to forge really good friendships with, with chefs. Um, and, and I think that's when I started to ask myself the question, like, I, I think I want to be on the other side because I would find myself on my days off from working in front of house. All I'd want to do is go home and, you know, braise something or have a crack at making fresh pasta. Um, I, I just, ha- I just lean towards it and I look forward to that time in the kitchen. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle was going to be, well, how, how, how do I roll over? Because I don't have, I don't have any formal training. I don't have the ticket. I don't have the apprenticeship. Um, so I guess that's where I kind of toed and froed and didn't really make a move. Well, a lot of your travels, you absorbed um, all sorts of um, delicacies, delicacies around the world as well. Um, tell us about that period of time with your travels and how food inspired you. Yeah, a lot of our, well, yeah, majority of our travel has been based around Southeast Asia. Um, and that, that was just a, 
an incredibly exciting time and, and such an eye opener. Um, and again, one of one of those chapters that started to really cement that okay, this is this is what I want to do. This is the food that I want to be involved with. Um, you know, and and how do I how do I start to learn more about it? How do I how do I dive deeper into this stuff? So, um, it, you know, it's it's one of the one of the reasons why I love love food and love this, this industry so much is because it, it it is endless. There's there's it's a pursuit into into an abyss it's you're never going to know it all you're never going to eat it all um it's it's just the it's i guess it's it's the chase and the challenge to just continue to seek do you you have a story of one of the trips that you took to southeast asia that you could share with us of an eating experience or food experience i'll never forget the first time i had buncha in uh in hanoi in vietnam uh i was walking through the street with my wife and we could smell charcoal. We could smell something on a grill, and it was one of those one of those scenarios where you literally just follow your nose. And we're walking around. <laughs> like, what's what's going? What is going on? Like, I want to be a part of this. Where is it? And we just wandered and wandered, and we kept cutting back and forth through streets until we finally saw there was quite a few women set up on on the the side of the road with their their charcoal pits out. And it was we'd been there for probably a couple of weeks now, but I hadn't really seen. I hadn't seen this dish because um, I, I find it's it sort of only tends to happen up north, and uh, and yeah, we sat down. She put down a, a beautiful plate of um, fresh uh, rice noodles, and then you know that another reason why I love that cuisine so much is is all the platters of the herbs and the lettuce and and the you know all, all the crunchy freshness that comes with it, um, and then taking the taking the the char grilled. Um, little pork patties and the char-grilled uh, pork belly off, dunk it into the sauce with the papaya. And it was just, it was just, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was incredible. Um, and it was one of those moments where my wife and I were just looking at each other. It's <laughs> like, how good is this? More, more of this. This is, this is why we're here. So you didn't have an apprenticeship or, or a ticket, as you put it. Um, how did you make those steps into, into food? I think, you know, even before the whole MasterChef thing came about, I had decided to team up with a, a, a good mate of mine who's now one of my business partners, um, and we were we were sort of getting set to go and do the whole food truck thing. Um, so we were like quite heavily invested in that, and we were, we, you know, we had the plan, and this is what we want to do. And then, funnily enough, my other business partner, so there's the three of us, myself, Mo, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah was working at uh, Ricky's in Noosa um, and the production team from MasterChef went in there and they were just asking around, look, do you know anyone that's handy in the kitchen? Can you, can you give us a number? Can you put anyone forward? So he, he gave them my number and then rang me and said, look, look, <laughs> this is not a G up. <laughs> I've, just, I've just given these guys your number, expect a phone call. And I was like, okay, yeah, right, whatever. So I was I was on my I was in the car with a six pack on on my way to Mo's house to start talking about the food truck, and I pulled over. I got a phone call from Emma Turner. She was the head of the production at the time, and she rang me in and had that conversation. And then I went to Mo's house and I said, "Look, this you're never going to believe this. I've just had this phone call. What what do you want to do?" It was <laughs> it was a very very strange scenario. Um, but I just, you know, I, it was, it was most certainly one of the biggest, 
uh, influences and reasons why I was able to, I guess, I guess have the confidence, but, you know, to, to be able to tick it off and, and just know and sort of cement, okay, I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm handy enough in the kitchen to be able to continue this on and, and really go head on into the industry um, in, the, in the, the kitchen side of it. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's how it all started. And I was very, very lucky to have the support of obviously my wife and family, but you know, the, the business partner at the time that was happy to be like, all right, you, you go and do this and I'll, I'll be here when you get out. Well, that was many moons ago now. Um, did, what did you take from MasterChef now that you're in the sort of real world, you've been running a restaurant for quite a while now. Um, but what did you take into the food world from that experience? Um, I, I guess I'll never, uh, I'll never. What's the word? I'll never take for granted being, being in that bubble, as what everyone calls it, and, and purely being able to switch off from everything, and just be fully submerged in food. So, like I was there for seven months. Um, so, it, and it's you are in a. Well, at the time we were in a house. There was twenty four people living in the house, and from sun up to sundown and beyond it's just everything is about food so you're you're either cooking you're tasting you're trialing you're reading you're talking to you know other contestants about it 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 was yeah it was it was intense um but but forever grateful for it because you know it, whilst the other people that were there weren't qualified and and didn't have a heap of experience in the industry everyone had something to bring to the table and and you know that they, they were very out of the box thinkers um, so to be able to sort of sit around and share that and, and, and sponge off everyone um, and vice versa, you know, everyone was sharing. So it, it, that was probably the most incredible part of it. What did you do after that MasterChef experience um, that got you into the industry? Uh, so we, we picked straight back up on the, the food truck idea um, and we, we based ourselves out of, out of uh, Eat Street in Brisbane. Um, and we did that for about six months. And I guess, you know, I explain it to people as in sometimes in life, you need to do things to know that you don't want to do those things. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm glad that we did it. I, I'm, I, I'm, I will never look back on that, that um, you know, that, that business move, I guess, as a, as a bad idea. Um, it really taught us a lot, but it also really helped us, I guess, uh, clear up the focus on on what we wanted to do and where we wanted to be um and and we just thought this is this is just not not it for us um we we wanted something we wanted something bigger but i think we were probably a little bit too scared at the time to go bricks and mortar um because that's such a huge commitment and it's definitely i would say the biggest thing that turns people off from taking that leap is you you just think shit i'm I'm locked in now like i've signed it that rent is due every week the power bills are due every week like it just it seems relentless and quite daunting um but i think after just putting our putting our big toe in and i guess wrapping our heads around how to run a very very small scale uh operation with the markets we felt a little bit more equipped to to take the step forward um and that's why we we also teamed up with um you know with other people to to make it happen what why Nooseville? Tell us about that sort of decision and, and finding a venue. So we started the first four years we did at Sunshine Beach, um, which, I mean, we talk Noose, everything's a stone's throw. Um, so, yeah, we did the first four years at Sunshine and that was that was the, um, you know, a, a really 
incredible chapter and it was a great space but it was starting to get a little bit tired and and um and we were, we'd, we'd outgrown it i guess and at the same time we, we were done with having a landlord um she made it <laughs> a, a little bit <laughs> a little bit tricky um so it was pretty much it was just after covid it was like mid covid and then this place that we're in now in Nooseville, um, great space, uh, ground ground level, um, lots of parking, a uh, bit of a blank canvas um, that it became up for, for grabs for sale. So we, yeah, we, we sort of, it was a bit of a difficult time because obviously COVID had hit, um, but that's when we decided to, we started selling sauces. So we're doing just like pre-packaged curry sauces. We did red, yellow, green, and that that was phenomenal. That that really sort of took off a lot more than what we thought, and that enabled us to at least prove that, you know, we're worthy to the bank to to be able to lend us a bit of money, and we were able to purchase the the place in Nooseville where we are now. Um, yeah, mid twenty twenty. You mentioned how you're a little nervous doing the food truck to go bricks and mortar, but you've eventually gone down that path. What have, what have you learned, and what are the challenges to overcome for running, you know, your own bricks and mortar? Oh, I feel that uh, the team is everything. The team is, is everything. Without, without the right people, um, without developing a, a positive, warm culture where people want to be, where people want to thrive, where people want to turn up um, and, and, you know, ha- have passion and care for what they do. Um, if you don't have that as a, as a your ground level, then it's, it's going to be bloody difficult. Um, because as much as, you know, it's, I think you see, you would see a lot of business owners get caught in, um, I guess the trap of micromanaging and, and thinking that they need to be there for, th- you know, 300 hours a week to do everything and watch what everyone's doing. It's, it's not physically possible. And if you want to be any good to the team, you need to be able to step away as well, um, to be able to come in with fresh eyes and fresh energy and to, to really be able to keep your finger on the pulse, um, you know, so I think having having the right the right people in the right places, um, a great management team, um, both front and back, is is key. Um, and and just being plugged into the people, and being aware of you know how they're feeling, what what they what they need, um, to to give them the best possible workplace to thrive and and you know give give you an incredible establishment. It's a, it's an amazing region. That's a real destination. Do you have to consider tourists and locals in sort of the offering, and does that change at different times of the year because of the clientele? No, I, th- I think we, you know, we've always been a firm believer in in sort of sticking to our, our identity um, and not 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 you know coming and going and chopping and changing. So um, we've always just stuck to that, and you know, we we I guess up. Initially, you don't have that confidence, but once you get a few runs on the board and you've been around for a f- you know a few years and the restaurant's doing well, then you, you just got to stick to your formula, um, you know, because the people that want to come will come, the people that come and don't enjoy it, they don't come back. But you 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 find your people, um, and they're the ones that continue to return, and they're the ones that spread the good word. So, look, we've we've got an incredible local following, um, so. Don't get me wrong; they're, they're seriously important to us, um, and they're they're acknowledged and looked after when they come in for sure. In terms of you know the the peak seasons um, now, Noose is a, is a lot more uh, consistent, uh, not like it was thirty years ago when I'd come up here for a holiday as a kid, and 
a long Noosa River between February, March, they, they would shut. They'd shut the restaurants and they'd go away for it and come back for Easter. So, yeah, <laughs> I remember I remember driving along the river with, with mum and dad and being like, what's going on? Um, and, yeah, they'd just, that, that's what they would do. They'd have a phenomenal summer and a lot of them would pack down for six to eight weeks, shut the doors, and they'd go away because it was, almost wasn't worth it to them. So now, now there's, there's a much more consistent trade. Uh, obviously, Noosa has, has an incredible name and reputation amongst not just internationals, but like, you know, the, the southern states, Sydney, Melbourne, a huge, um, huge uh, part of the, the visitation and the tourism up here, um, especially when the colder months hit because everyone wants to escape down there and come up here. So you find it just, yes, there's the peaks, but everything, everything just spills over. Um, into the rest of the year and begins to fill that up as well. Tell us a little bit about your food and what you're doing there at the restaurant. Is there a dish or two that sort of exemplifies uh, your approach? Uh, uh, at the moment, we just we just put a new. Like, I mean, so obviously we're we're quite driven in the the Southeast Asian style of food. I wouldn't call us Thai. I wouldn't call us Viet, you know, but I don't like to use the word fusion. Uh, it's, it's, it's modern Asian, you know, it's, we've been inspired by the greats that have come before us. And now he's, I mean, he's back in the game, Marty Boats from Long Grain, you know, like, and he's back, he's got short grain in Brisbane now, absolutely braining it. Um, yeah, that we've we've just sort of you know we've been influenced and we've been uh, inspired by all of those people before us, and we've just tried to put our own, I guess, style on it, and our own stamp on it. So I'd say like one of the dishes that we just put on recently is a um, is a little starter. It's a uh, seared shark bay scallop from WA, and then on top there's a little bit of a, like a thickened coconut cream. On top we have a dry green curry so a green curry paste just cooked out pretty much seasoned but no liquids so it's it's it it goes in as a paste and it comes back out as a paste essentially so it's cooked out uh it's it's got the the fish sauce the tamarind the little bit of palm sugar heaps of white pepper lemongrass it's very punchy so a little bit of that goes over the top um a little bit of roasted macadamia and then just a, a thai basil leaf with a bit of the green curry oil for me that's a that's a fantastic way to start um, it's, it's got, I guess it's got all of the, the, the character, um, and the, the spirit of the restaurant with the, the hitting those, those four flavor profiles, the, the hot, the sour, the salty and the sweet. Well, the restaurant's going along beautifully. And as you mentioned at the top of the show, you, um, creating your own farm there as well. What's next for you in the next couple of years? I'd like to think another restaurant. I think I think we'll we'll be in a position to to go again. I don't. I definitely don't think that we're that we're finished there. Um, I, I but I think a, a slightly you know a, a different style. I don't. There'll only ever be one Sam Young. Um, but I definitely feel like there's some unfinished business there to to put another another style of restaurant in Noosa. I think there's a lot of a lot of gaps in the market. Um, but it's just about you know it's the phase that we're going through now is build building the team. Um, and acquiring the, the right people to be able to, I guess, free us up to, to take that leap and, and get the next one going. Um, so I'd, that's, that's what I would think would happen within the next two to three, uh, I, I would like to think. Well, you've built an amazing career in food with one of the best restaurants in the region. What, what do you love about what you do? 
I've I've been able to live my dream, essentially, um, which I think is it, that's not a, a throwaway line for me at all. Um, I I I wanted to work towards being able to cook for a living, and I think I've done that in in spades. And I, and I you know I do I so I said it to my wife probably a couple of months ago. I was like, it's this is how I feel about it. Um, I've been very fortunate to I guess be to to find my passion. And then find the people around me to help me, you know, make that happen, and and that's that's it. You know, it's, I've I've gotten I've I've been able to achieve what I set out to and what I dreamed to do for for a living and a career, uh, and it it just it doesn't get much better than that. Well, uh, Matt, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Good luck with the farm and look forward to what you get up to next. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks very much for having me on. It's it's been a pleasure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.